Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Today is Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. All the days start to blend in together when it is Bucks training camp. But this one was even more exciting because it was day two of Tampa Bay Buccaneers joint training camp practice with the Miami Dolphins. We have a lot to get into from Tom Brady's excused absence to what the excuses were for the defense playing so poorly today and everything else in between. I am your host, Matt Matera, Maddie M, as some say, because today's show is Maddie M and the C's. We got Casey Hudson and JC Allen, both of PeterReport.com. How are we doing today, my fellow colleagues? What's going on? Which C do you want to hear from first? We'll go ladies first, Casey. Okay. Fabulous. We didn't get scorched by the sun today, so that was a winner. But it does feel like day 75 of training camp, and I think that that kind of hit this morning. So I have been a zombie all day, regardless of the entertainment that we were provided with by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, so how are you doing? I'm doing good. The sun, the sun was blocked out by the Sahara sand that's been clouding up the skies recently, but it was still super humid out there, but it was great. I mean, it was, you know, you would like to see a better performance, but just getting out there, seeing the Bucks go against a different team other than themselves and, uh, you, you know, some, some little trippiness too was, was, a, was a little, a little, little bit of trippiness. I think it uh, it elevated from the day before uh, on yesterday's show for those that that did not watch or or listen to uh, some of the things that we talked about was Tyler Johnson getting up in the mix uh, doing a two for flinching against the Miami Dolphins. If you don't know what I'm talking about, check out our Twitter, our various articles, or yesterday's show as I just mentioned. But that escalated a little bit today with uh, Luke. Gedeke, I still get his name like kind of confused. I know it's Gedeke. Some say Gedeke. It is Gedeke. I, I do want to talk me. about that. But first, mm-hmm. we do have to talk about the whatever you want to call it, the elephant in the room, the main storyline. Um, obviously, there was someone missing from practice today, and it was Rashawn Perryman again. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that um, was brilliant, Matt. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but no, the, the big thing was that Tom Brady had an excused absence. He missed practice today after uh, participating in yesterday's joint practice. Um, we heard from Todd Bowles after everything was done. And mm-hmm. this was the third missed practice for Tom Brady in the last uh, six training camp practices. So definitely a cause for concern. And uh, both of you guys were at the the post-practice press conference that's a lot of peas right there pushing p where uh, todd bowles was talking about this um what did todd bowles have to say i i, I caught some of it but w- what was the main takeaway with tom brady not being at practice i think what stood out to me the most was the fact that he said that this was planned time off for brady before training camp even came about so i know last week when he had his first what up his first excused absence, if you will. I kind of hate calling it that. But when he had his first excused absence, it was like, holy crap, what's going on? Like, what did he need? And of course, the timeliness of it all, people were trying to allude to it being tying into the Dolphin situation. And no, guys, that's not an anti-Brady comment. That's just a fact. Um, So aside from that, like there was a lot of question marks. So what I did appreciate about Todd Bowles presser today is that it's like, hey, we had this conversation before training camp even happened. We discussed and already planned out and secured this time off for Brady. He, you know, he said he's coming back after the Titans. So this is not a shocker. Um, And I appreciate the fact that at least today it's, it's been confirmed that this is already situated and the team feels fine about it. It seems like everyone already talked about it, hashed it out. Yeah, it's, you know, the excused absence and that they've known about it was was kind of because, you know, we kind of were having our own internal. What could sure. it be? What, what you know, hopefully everything's all right with his family. But the fact that it's been planned before training camp, how far back it's been planned, it kind of eases your mind. And then, of course, with Ian Rappaport going on the Pat McAfee show mm-hmm. um, and saying that it, it's not a, in, a medical leave or a surgery or anything like that. It's uh, simply finding that work-life balance. And 
Um, you know, Brady has been in training camp for the last 23 years and probably, I, I mean, I don't know how long they've been together, but let's just say almost 20 years with Giselle and the family. And maybe there was something they wanted to do. Maybe, you know, his kids got something coming up sporting event. I don't know what it is, but maybe there's something that he, you know, that they want to be a part of or, or see or experience or whatever. And Brady's going to be fine. As Devin White said, he's going to do put the work in. He's going to come back. Yeah. 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 I, I was glad when we heard from Ian Rappaport, as you said, on the Pat McAfee show, when he said it was nothing like personal or, or with his family, because at this point still, everything is all speculative. All right. We don't yeah. want to go out there and say this, this, or this is happening. But of course, like you think about certain things like, Tom Brady's mom was sick a couple years ago. Um, his dad had COVID last year. Uh, his parents are getting up there in age. And, like, you hate to even think of those things. So when Rappaport had mentioned that um, it wasn't that case scenario, I was just very happy about that because mm -hmm. you, you never want to see anything like that. If it really is, and again, this is all speculation. I'm not saying any of this is, is a fact. But if it is one of those just – want to balance time with his family and, and working and, and, you know, watch his kids grow up and, and everything like that. Tom Brady has earned the right more than literally oh, wow. anyone else in the NFL to do that. And you know what? If he goes to the Bucs and say, Hey, I need a little bit of time off. What are the Bucs going to do? Be like, no, you have to be here. Tom's holding all the cards. He could just go retire again, or he could just be like, all right, well, what are you going to do? I don't want to play. Now you have to decide between Blaine Gabbard and Kyle Trask for starting against right Dallas on. in week one. <laughs> so, like, the Bucs aren't really in a position to be like, hey, man, no. Like, you're signed under contract. You have to come play for us. Tom right. can essentially do what he wants to do. So if he needs a little bit of time off, as you guys were saying, he's going to put in the work regardless, right? Like, he's earned that right. He is a creature of habit. It's all about mm -hmm. attention to detail. He has a lot of chemistry with these guys already. He still obviously has to work on it with Julio Jones, Russell Gage, who did not practice today. He's day-to-day. J.C. spoke to Todd Bowles after practice where uh, Bowles said that he tweaked a hamstring day-to-day. -day. That's Obviously, that's the quota for Bucks wide receivers. If you're going to get injured, it's going to be a hamstring <laughs> injury. But, but back to Brady, again, it's just one of those he's earned the right. If he wants to take off a couple of practices, I'm not concerned. Case, I'll ask you, are, are you concerned at all about his, you know, competition level? Do you think like anything's going to slack off when he's physically there and at the facility? No, absolutely not. Because two things actually kind of circling back to press conferences and why people should have peace of mind revolving yeah. around all of this is, um, you know, number one, when when Coach Bowles did mention that this was a pre-planned situation heading into training camp, so everybody was fully aware of it. He also mentioned the fact that Brady wanted to be a part of the first leg of training camp. So it almost sounded like he may have needed more time, but decided to be there for the beginning of training camp because he wanted to get those reps in with his teammates. He wanted to have some time to start building chemistry and rapport with these guys that he's going to be working with. So I think that's something significant to point out as well is that, you know, this sounds like a situation that may have needed more time and attention, but Todd Bowles did say Brady wanted to be here for the beginning of training camp to get those reps in with his teammates. And then Julio Jones, we got him as a presser today too, as well. And somebody kind of asked him, you know, how's, how's it been, you know, getting grasping your bearings around, you know, being a Tampa Bay Buccaneer now learning this playbook, learning this system, building the chemistry. Also, are you going to be a part of preseason game one? Like, do you feel like you need those reps? And he just kind of laughed and goes, I've been in the league for 12 years now, you know, like I know, <laughs> yeah. I know how this goes. So, you know, if, if Julio Jones knows how this goes, and I think we can all agree at this point that he looks good. Um, he's, he's, he's so participant in, in everything that's going on. He does his extra work on the side. He's down for every rep that he can be accountable for when he's dressed out. Like if Julio Jones can say that, then Tom Brady can say that times 10. You know, right. and as right. you said, Matt, this is a very creature of habit. He's a meticulous guy. He's one of the best in the league for a reason. Uh, not having a training camp, I don't think it's going to hinder them in any way. I think we all saw really good chemistry starting to build up between him and the new guys and him and the guys who have been a part of the roster for the past two years with him. And so at this point, anybody would say, we know what Tom wants. We know what Tom needs. We know what we need to do. We know our personal goal and standard. And then we know what the team needs. So the training camp you know, him bowing out for a minute isn't alarming to me whatsoever. And he was never going to play in the next two games, you know? 
JC, where's your, I don't want to say concern level, but where's your thoughts in this? Like, are there, is there any worry about Brady not being prepared for, let's just say, Dallas week one? If you don't think Tom has, is, whatever he's doing is not bringing footballs with him to throw, even if it's just to his kids or whatever, he's he's bringing footballs to throw. He's going to be fine. He's not going to, it's not like he's going off and binging, you know, cheeseburgers and pizza yeah. and ice cream over the next, you know, 10 days and not throwing a football. There's, it's going to get overblown by national media. So every box fans grab onto your jock straps because here we go. It's going to be a, a crazy conspiracy theory wild ride, probably starting with Florio. Um, but I, I, I'm not even, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. And you know, if it is something, we'll we'll probably get something on social media. You know, if it's something that like it isn't serious, if it's vacation or whatever, something like well. Someone's going to find something out about something and we'll, we'll hear about what he's really doing. Most likely not worried. He's Tom freaking Brady. He, he's, he's done. He's been there, done that multiple times, you know, the offense in and out. There's the only, the only downfall of it is building that chemistry maybe with Julio. And I, I mean, you can't even see Russell Gage because yeah, who even knows if we'll see Russell Gage for the rest of the preseason. I mean, same thing with, with uh, Mike Evans, when I talked to Coach Bowles, asked him what their timetable is. Like, they'll be ready for week one. We don't need to see them. We've got a lot of guys you got to take a look at. So they're not even stressing it. So it's not even a huge deal about having him out there. And Julio's Julio. He's a pro. He's, as he said, 12, he's been in the league for 12 years. He's grasping the playbook. It's not going to take long for him and Brady to get on the same page. He's one of the smartest receivers in the NFL. Yeah, yeah I agree. The only downside or the only question would be is building the chemistry with some of the guys you mentioned along with you know the rookies the rookie tight ends specifically Kata and yeah working with Hainsey as well uh Kyle Rudolph also at tight end it is crazy to think though that we are in an alternate universe right now that was almost a reality remember when Tom Brady retired for those 40 days going into the season it was okay Blaine Gabbert might be the number one guy Kyle Trask might be the number one quarterback, or they could go outside uh, in free agency. That's off the table now. But at least for about a week, we are getting the universe that the Bucks thought could be the case for a little bit, where Blaine Gabbard's your number one and Kyle Trask is your number two. So we're talking about uh, a brief glimpse into the future when it comes to the Bucks quarterback situation. Oh. But when Tom Brady does come back kind of. um, after after those, yeah, well, who knows? No, who knows no, who'll be the starter? Well, no, I'm just saying there's who knows no who'll be the starter. Weapons or wide receivers. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, when Tom Brady does come back after those uh, practices with the Titans, when he sets foot in the Advent Health Training Center, when those fans in the bleachers and they get packed out every single day, for those practices when they see Tom Brady running out onto the field, like the ultimate warrior running down the ramp into the ring, they're going to go crazy for that man. They're going to go absolutely wild. They're going to be, I don't know. What's the word energized. And if you want to get energized, the best drink that you could have is a Celsius energy drink. JC was just holding up the cans right there. There are so many fantastic flavors i am currently rocking the sparkling cucumber they also got the orange they got the strawberry kiwi guava they got the sparkling watermelon so many different flavors and of course anytime you're drinking a celsius or listening to the pewter report podcast the vibes are high we're talking about the arctic vibe tropical vibe peach vibe i've really been on an arctic vibe kick lately because casey got me onto it it's like you're drinking a slushy But outside of the taste and the variety of flavors, it's also great because it gives you seven essential vitamins and the energy, the essential energy, I should say, to get get you through your day. Whether you got a busy work day, whether you're going to pump and crush a workout later on, have a Celsius energy drink and you will not be disappointed. Uh, Make sure you go to Celsius.com. Click on the store locator to find out where you can get a drink because they are pretty much everywhere now which is awesome. You could also go to amazon.com, buy them in bulk and set it up whether you want them there every two weeks, three weeks, whatever you want it to be. Just make sure you're drinking a Celsius, the title sponsor of the Peter Report podcast, Celsius Live Fit. Like I said, I'm rocking the sparkling cucumber lime and it is 
fantastic. All right, we talked about Tom Brady. Oh, you got the Arctic vibe. Perfect. There you go, JC. I've been uh, doing the packets. Y'all know. Yes, packets are great too. Make sure you check them out uh, on yeah. Amazon. We talked about Tom Brady. That was obviously, you know, a big thing that we had to address. So for mm -hmm. those that are like, why are you talking about Brady? He wasn't there. Well, when your starting quarterback misses 50% of the practices in a week, it's kind of a big deal. Um, but bit. we are going to talk about the joint practice that we saw today between Tampa Bay and Miami. And while yesterday was a little bit more <laughs> in favor of the Bucks, it sounded like today was a lot more uh, towards the – the edge of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, now, I watch a lot of the defense today, so I can't totally speak on what I saw from Blaine Gabbert, Kyle Trask, uh, those type of guys. I did watch a little bit of the one-on-ones early on with the receivers, and I just got to give a shout-out to the undrafted receivers. You know, they are busting their tail to make mm -hmm. sure that they at least do everything that they possibly can to earn a roster spot on this team. And I thought... Kalen Geiger Sr. was really awesome today. We posted a video of him doing great. Devin Tompkins, again, just making a baller play. So, JC, I'll ask you, uh, when it comes to the one-on-ones, and we could talk about the, the group as well. I'm not sure how much you watched of, of Gabbard and Trask, but especially with those one-on-ones, man, I mean, it's just so much fun to watch in general. But those undrafted free agents are really doing something. Yeah, they're stepping up. They know that – there, you know, are limited spots on this roster and even so limited spots on our, on the practice squad. I mean, you're talking about 10 wide receivers competing for two to maybe three spots after the top four. There's 14 wide receivers on this team right now. And they know that every practice, every rep is important and they're going out there and they're showing it. I mean, between Jared Stearns and, and, and Tompkins and and as you said, Cam Brown even and um, Kalen Geiger Sr., they have all had amazing plays and standout plays in practice um, in 11-on-11s, on 7-on-7s, on 1-on-1s, on on one as you mentioned. And they're seizing their sieging their opportunity, uh, if, if you would uh, say. And I think that we'll probably see, if not three, maybe at least two guys, if they can sneak them back through on the practice squad, once all said and done back on this roster, because they've shown a lot of upside. They've shown them they can play Matt. Me and you were talking about this the other day. If some of these guys signed on Dallas's roster, who's like devoid of wide receiver talent right now, there's no doubt in my mind that Tompkins or Stearns would have made, would make their 53 out of camp because they've just looked that impressive. There's just such a numbers crunch that, these undrafted free agents seem like they have no shot because you're talking about guys who have been it, been there and done it in the league. And it's, it's they're they're making their case, but it's still a very tough case to make when you're already talking about cutting guys like Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, Jalen Darden, Rashad Perriman, and, and other guys. So it, it's going to be tough. It's heartbreaking to think about the fact that there's going to be two pretty decent guys that are going to have to go. Um, I put up a, a, a question yesterday on Twitter asking, you know, what, what seven guys would you keep? It's funny. Cause a lot of people are like, why seven, why seven? Well, cause we're hoping it doesn't go, you know, cut down to six and thinking of, you know, what they can do with this playbook in this wide receiver group. I'm kind of hoping for a seven shot, but uh, aside from that, you just, the debate on those last three slots were just really interesting. Um, I'll probably read some of them off later if you guys were interested in it, but as for what I saw out of the defense offense, Casey, my brain offense, <laughs> Um, I was really paying attention to the offensive line a lot more today. Uh, cause I think we know oh, yeah. that the wide receiver room is loaded and, you know, every guy on there has their head on straight as to the fact that they want a spot on this team and it's extremely limited. Um, so watching the offensive line, I really, of course, wanted to see how Robert Hainsey bounced back from his cramping situation yesterday. And he did very well. I even got a chance to ask Coach Bowles about it. And, you know, they continue to say that they have so much confidence in him. Um, I got to talk to a few other people out on the sidelines. And, you know, I think we fully can almost put put it to bed that they're not going to bring in uh, – a veteran for that position. Hainsey is getting more confident in that role. He looked really strong today. The Dolphins number 98, I don't recall what his name is, but he's a big guy. I mean, he's massive. And Hainsey was going to work against him. He got great hand placement on him. He stayed really low. He looked really strong. He looked stronger this week than he did last week. And a lot of that could just be like assignment confidence. So that was something that was catching my eye a lot. Luke Adecki, 
strong kid. He's not kidding about being a glass eater. He yeah. goes and he charges off the line for every play. And then that's one of the people that you saw getting a little chippy out there today because Duke Riley for Miami was trying to piss everybody off. And um, eventually you're going to piss off somebody if you keep at it. So there was, he's the one who got some shoving out of him at one point. Then Gadecki was like, I'm not going to play with this child because it's like Luke Gadecki and then like, <laughs> Duke Riley down here, you know, he was like, no, little bro, relax. And then like three chill, plays chill, later, chill, 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not doing anything. Who, nobody's holding yeah. Kadecki back and he's acting like his hands are strapped. Um, and then three plays later, it was just like enough is enough. And then there was a pile up, which come on at this point, we're all, you know, heat crazy. We want to see a little bit of action, but every safe action. So that was cool. Um, the running game I asked Todd Bowles about because yesterday, Hainsey was making some some nice clear pass for Leonard Fournette. And today was Gio Bernard wanting to get, you know, get his moment. He was getting shut down a bit. And there was that's where tensions really started flaring up. Um, Xavier Howard at one point was was all over him. And there was conversations going on that I wish we heard a little closer. But then eventually <laughs> he just had this breakaway and um Coquif had a great block. Uh, Rashad White was able to step in and, and kind of create a block and a path. So those were some good highlights that I saw because I know we want to see more of a running game this season. I know it's been talked about at nauseum now that there's going to be more of a run game and there was a concern when it comes to the O-line. So I just think that functional functionality-wise, the offensive line looked good. The running game was, you know, a little bit more consistent between yesterday and today. And that's where my eyes went to besides the drama on the defense. And I think it's also shocking too. And JC, maybe you could talk to this. Like Giovanni Bernard is. You got to say it like right, Matthew. Giovanni Bernard. I can't do the the tongue roll thing that Steve <laughs> does very well at. But uh, yeah. Giovanni, Giovanni out there on the field, he's usually one of the most easygoing guys. Like seriously, though, he seems like mm-hmm. very happy-go-lucky, smiling, just like just happy to be playing football, loving it. And then he's the one that's getting into the fights. I was very surprised by that. Yeah, it yeah. started with Christian Wilkins and him and they were jarring back and forth on one play. Another another chippy hit by Christian Wilkins. And then they're jarring and then he takes his towel and throws it on the ground. Oh, wait, but, there was the late hit. That's what it was. Philip Phillips, Philip somebody. Phillips. Yeah, Philippe. Philippe. Dylan Felipe from uh, defensive end from Miami. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he had a late hit, and then they were drawn back and forth. And then the next, very next play, um, Baker, Jerome Baker comes in with a, you know, like a very thin line, you're walking late hit. And mm-hmm. then he's going back and forth. And then the next, very next play, they're working from like 35, 40 yards out. Drew says, screw you guys. And he just, wow. he's like, boom, he's out. Uh, Kadon had a nice block, block to spring him loose for the rest of the way. Ran down, met him in the end zone. That was cute. Yeah, Kate. It was it was funny because like Kate's like all like hyped up like about it, like a young rookie would. And Gio's yeah, Gio's pissed off still. So Kate tries to go for like a <laughs> bump, and Gio just standing there jarring still back at the defense. And uh, yeah, I mean, Auden just like jumps on his head. He might as well just pat him at that point. Exactly. And then another, and it comes again now, again. And then that's when that was it. Kadecki had had enough. He was like, I'm not doing this anymore. And it's funny. I talked to him after practice and he's like, he was jawing with me all day yesterday too. And then, and I saw it cause I was over on the sideline watching the special teams when they're doing the, uh, when the bucks were on punt return and he comes over here after he, he slams Ross Cockrell in the dirt. He comes over and he starts pointing and talking crap. And wow. I couldn't hear what he said. It was inaudible. And, uh, you know, the guy just kind of looked like looked or laughed and all whatever. But I guess he told Gadecki, I'm coming after you. Fast forward. All right, guys, we, we got to do this one time. Okay. One it's Gadecki. It's Luke Gadecki. What Gedecky. did I say? Gadecki. What, what did I say? Gadecki. It's <laughs> Gadecki. Get a key. All right. On the count of three, we're all going to say Gadecki. <sighs> all right. One, <laughs> two, three. Get a key. All right. Great. I Thank hate you it. very much. <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, I, it's, it. It is a little confusing. So uh, we'll see how it rolls not, off the tongue. Not throwing something. the blame. I, I've made the mistake as well saying it like that, but it's get a key. Right. Get a key. So yeah, then he then he handled Gedeke. Duke Riley. Get a key, handled Duke Riley. Leverett came over, and then Trisha Wirfs came flying across the field too to try to get involved and 
you know, I, I was like, I said, trust me, I saw you come break. He's like, it's stupid. That's stupid. He's not, he was not well, happy about these it. guys. They're ferocious, like, but they're such teddy bears. We've got the nicest slash meanest O line. Yeah, in, in the league, it's it's strange almost. I think the only one who continues to wear that that brawler hat is Ryan Jensen, which. But he's like another teddy bear out like off the field, or at least not like while he's practicing. Like he's a very cool guy, like off the field. Yeah, like very that. very cool. Yeah, cool. It, it's it, it is so funny how you could just flip the switch like that and go all out like in a game, and then after you're just like, all right. Like we're chill, we're good to go, we're good to we're go. Chill. And of course, uh, you know, the blood still might be boiling a, a little bit because they still have that preseason game going up on Saturday. Yeah. And I don't imagine we'll see Werfs or you know any of those guys. But you know, you're probably there's still a couple guys that were in the chippiness involved that are going to be playing on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But typically, you know, if you get in a fight with someone or you're arguing with someone, the best way to just hash things out is just over a beer, especially on a Thursday practice when it's Thursday, 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 Thursday out there. And there's no better beer to have to hash out something than a pirate Republic beer. As JC cracks open his right now, you got to have the pirate Republic beer from pirate Republic brewing company. Uh, Pewter report is excited to announce our exclusive partnership with pirate Republic brewing company. Pirate Republic is now the official beer of pewterreport.com, And it's such a, a natural fit based out of Nassau Bahamas. Pirate Republic is now invading Florida just in time for football season. Beer brings people together to celebrate life. That means celebrating in the spirit of the original pirate code. And that's a sense of belonging. Pirate Republic is a community of people living life on their terms. The long John Pilsner is perfect for tailgating or having fun at the beach in the Florida sun. The take no quarter is the best IPA that you'll drink. Drop an orange slice in the gold and haze of piracy Belgian wit beer and enjoy the pirate life. Pirate Republic beer is available at participating retailers like Total Wine, Lucan's Liquors, Party Liquors, and select ABC stores in the greater Tampa Bay area. And it's expanding across the state of Florida or Florida. Live life on your terms and drink like a pirate with Pirate Republic beer, the official beer a pewterreport.com and jc i believe you are drinking oh and case the seas are drinking the brews very nice it's, i'm drinking that take no quarter <laughs> jc That's, actually really likes that one whereas yeah. like i like them all they're really 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 no they're all really good but it's funny because i would think of scott being like not too many people love ipas but and then this guy over here is like slamming them yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding this one's actually really good though i do drink this one I, I, yeah, I'm almost out. I told Scott I need more. You can see the empty beer cans behind me. They're like, oh, we need some for like props on the pot to show, you know, whatever. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to drink all these. So <laughs> I'll, I'll wash some of them out and put them behind. <laughs> yes, Joe. I will probably just call him Luke. Yeah. Luke. Yeah, that works. <laughs> that works. See, I'm used to hockey too, where like if you don't have to pronounce these guys' names correctly, you just give yeah. them a nickname and everybody goes with it. So I'm gonna make usually, up a few nicknames and just see if you guys will pick up names. on it. Yes, huh? it usually ends in like E or like you know, oh. head heady or this guy or right. Massy, you know, all, all, all the different E's that usually all the E's and the O's. Yeah, yeah, one of those uh one of those like Russian names or right. Or, Brought brought Slavia names. <laughs> I don't even know how to say this. <laughs> yeah. No, I refuse. Well, let me tell you, I felt like I needed a beer watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense today. Um, it was rough pretty much from beginning to end. Uh, they did go on a nice stretch towards the end of practice in a two-minute drill. Uh, I will get to that. But the issue was is that it was a struggle kind of like all over the place. Now, granted... The one-on-ones are always in the favor of the offense. It's, it just is. There's no pass rush. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have another teammate where if you're playing zone, okay, you push that guy off to you know your teammate and everything like that. Um, mm-hmm. But with that said, I mean, I watched a couple of reps in a row where Carlton Davis, number one corner on this team, um, and he's going to have a great season. You can't say everything's done just because of one rep, but he went up against Jalen Waddle. And this is after playing very well against Tyreek Hill yesterday. 
but Waddle just completely cooked him in the one-on-one drill. Uh, we have the video on our Twitter account if you guys want to watch it there. Then I saw Zion McCollum lose a rep. Logan Ryan lost a rep. Sean Murphy bunting, like, all in a row. It was just, like, play after play after play. They just could not get it going. Uh, Davis made up for it when they went to 11-on-11s. There was a play. Like, first pass was to Waddle. He got his arm in there and broke it up. But, you know, I, I saw other mishaps, too. Like, Tua was threading the needle, which I think was, like, the most shocking thing. Like, he threw it in between Davis and Mike Edwards at safety when they were playing zone and got mm-hmm. the ball to Tyreek Hill. Jalen Waddle was the best receiver out there today. He was making plays, like, all over the place. Uh, Hill did very well. He caught a touchdown on a screen play when another defender fell down. Uh, Levante David was behind in coverage on a play where Tanner Connor, a tight end who wears, like, number 48. So, you know, he can't be, like, that good of a receiving <laughs> tight end when he's wearing number 48. That's a blocking uh, number. Yeah, exactly. That's a blocking <laughs> number. Uh, David was a step behind him, and it would have been a touchdown, but Tanner Connor, probably not a receiving tight end, dropped the ball um, in the end zone. So there was a lot of just, you know, and it's going to happen from time to time. I don't think it's a long-standing concern for the Bucks defense, but there were a lot of plays where it was just like, wow, what, like what's going on here? There, there's a there's a, there's some issues here, and I think you know even Antoine Winfield Jr., arguably the best the, the defensive player in the unit, like one of the best defensive backs, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, he allowed a touchdown to Mike Gusecki on like a misdirection play in the corner of the end zone. And honestly, the guy that struggled the most was linebacker Grant Stewart. Um, he got beat. Mo- yeah, he got burned multiple times. He allowed a touchdown to Tanner Connor, where it was a bit of a blown coverage. I don't like it, wasn't like he was guarding him the whole time, it was just step for step. But Connor was his man, just went right by him. He tried to, you know, chase him down, but he was already long gone from there. Um, you know, Grant Stewart, we love him for special teams, but as a, <laughs> as a linebacker itself, Probably more the fourth, if not fifth string. But it was a struggle defensively for the Bucks from beginning to the end. I don't know how much you guys watch the defense, but uh, well, you know, well, things need to get cleaned up. While you were watching the one-on-ones versus receivers versus cornerbacks, I was on the opposite side of the field watching the one-on-ones with defensive line versus offensive line. And there were some really good things that I saw from there. First of all, Akeem Hicks just continues to just be an absolute monster. He is a killer really, whale. Yeah. Literally just almost <laughs> this guy up and just moved him into the backfield, into the quarterback, because it's just a line coach simulating as a quarterback or coach, whatever. Just picked him up and pushed him in. It was done. It was over. But I saw some good things out of Cam Gill getting good penetration. Shaq Baird had this beautiful, uh, like a reverse outside, inside spin move he did to just get by him. And then you saw Anthony Nelson actually copy it, and it worked for him. And get by him, but there was definitely some plays where the guys, you know, got stonewalled a little bit by um by the Dolphins' offensive line too. And keep in mind, Teron Armstead's not practicing either; he's still in a very limited role. But Vita Vea's bull rush is nasty as ever. He just pushes the guy right, <laughs> right into the guy's pocket. And if there was other guys coming, like yeah, forget about it. But um, there were some really good things. Uh, Ninety-five, Deidre Sinat threw a guy right down on the ground in his move. Uh, nice inside spin move by Joe Joe trying Sharinka to get off a block and get to the get to the quarterback. So there's a lot of good things that I saw from there, but there are still some plays like Matt, as you said too, on the with the cornerbacks where they just kind of, you know, got stood up, got stonewalled, got pushed out of the play quite a few times. There were guys who were just pushed right outside of the play. So again, it, it's one of these things where this is what it's for. It's practice. This is yeah, exactly. Casey, you look like you were about to say something as well. <laughs> so much stuff. No, I'm kidding. Um, actually, so kind of playing off of what JC was saying is that for one, you're starting to see Vita Vea feeding off of Akeem Hicks, and that's scary. Once they get into more of a rhythm, that's going to be a nasty duo in the center there. And um, I, I like the fact that we are all already seeing the potential of what that's going to become. Akeem Hicks is a, is a freak. He is literally a killer whale. I just saw him swallow Leonard Fournette whole multiple times the other day. Um, as for JTS, I got to ask Jack Barrett about him today, and he was like, it's very apparent that he just needed the reps. So they're very confident with where he's at. His explosiveness, his athleticism continues to just shine through. He's not hesitating. He's not looking like he's, you know, confused or 
can't, you know, act or be instinctual. Instinctual has come up a couple times in pressers regarding JTS. So it's nice to know that it was more of just like a rep thing, but he also took full responsibility for any mistakes he made as a rookie, which is expected the mistakes, but his maturity with it, you just saw that he was going to have an eager off season so that he can contribute. And Shaq Barrett said it himself, he's going to make a difference on this defense this season. Uh, I wouldn't say that the defense as a whole had a bad day because I saw some good things. Shaq Barrett has just been on point. I don't think I've seen a yeah. bad practice out of Barrett yet. Uh, he even said, you know, how good he feels, how well he's reading defenses now um, and how quickly he's responding as soon as the ball is snapped. I asked him how, you know, what kind of issues does Miami show for you guys that you can learn from and build off of and apply to the season forward. And he was just saying the quick reads that they do, the speed that they have off the outsides. So this is a great learning experience for the Bucks heading into a loaded front end of their season. Um, aside from Shaq Barrett, I think Devin White had a good day. Devin White was pretty sticky on the Dolphins' tight ends, uh, which you like to see. He's not this guy who's just bull, you know, chin down, full bull, all gas, no breaks anymore. He's very specific about what he needed to work on. He's taking full ownership over all the criticism people were giving him last season. So maybe last season he wasn't so open-minded to it in the moment, but emotions are high during the season, and it was emotional season seeing as how all yeah. the adversity they had to go through, but he's very specific on the things that he needs to work on. And you're actually seeing those cleanups in his game right now in training camp. And I think it's only going to get better, especially with a healthy Levante David, who they just seem to be right back where they left off in 2020. Cause we didn't see much of it in 2022 or we didn't see much of it last season. So it was nice to see him have a good day. He felt like yesterday at the end of practice, he started to get a little mentally defeated. So he had a real strict focus heading into today to not get so mentally worn down, take a step back, reevaluate and be strategic on each play. So it was the secondary that had the heftiest day. Um, they just, they couldn't keep up. The speed was actually starting to really, uh, create some issues for them out there. Uh, I will say this because I know fans love asking about the rookies, which is exciting. And there's a lot of loyal fans out there for Zion McCollum, at least to me. And I'm happy to be corrected. Zion McCollum looks like somebody who can contribute. It's just the fact that he's still processing reading the play because there was one play today where he was m left out to Mark Waddle to Mark Waddle. I hope that sounded properly Jaylen. rather than oh, yeah. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. But it almost sounded yeah, like Mark yeah, Wahlberg the way that yeah. I said it. I don't know. Okay, so he was marking that Waddle. He was he was left out to cover Waddle, and even in his in his in his hesitant read on the play, his speed almost got him there. I mean, by like a tenth of a step. So once he knows this playbook, once he starts getting the read and the coverages down, Zion McCollum can be a dangerous kid because of his speed, because of his athleticism, and he's not charging in a direction aimlessly. He was very much in on that play, but just a step behind. So that's something exciting that I can't wait to see develop further, and hopefully he's somebody that gets a quality amount of snaps in the preseason game because I think he's somebody worth getting those repetitions learning those reads, those coverages, because he can step in and, and be an asset at some point, maybe not the first couple of weeks, but you know, yeah. down the line and stuff. Great, great points by both of you guys. And I should clarify that I would say 85% of like the issues or my gripes with the struggles of the defense today came from the secondary and Grant Stewart. But as you guys pointed out <laughs> there, no disrespect to Grant Stewart. He just did no, not it was have just funny how it was said. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, yeah, there were three, Defensive players that were awesome today for the Bucs. One was Shaq Barrett. But yep. I also want to give a shout out to Leo. Thank you so much for the 499 super chat. Uh, he said, Everybody saying Miami dominated. Well, I hope so, considering no Brady Evans, Godwin, Gage, and Julio and Gabbard at QB. It's a no brainer. Yeah, the Bucs didn't have all of their starters. Um, they did have a fair amount of their starters on the defensive side of the ball. And as mm -hmm. I was saying, there were three uh, real standout players on defense that that had um you know that that really balled out one was Shaq Barrett and a lot of that came at the end of practice yes. where uh it was like a two-minute drill type of thing and the Dolphins had moved the ball down the field a little bit but then there were back-to-back -back plays where Shaq got after Tua the first one like people will say oh great pass from Tua to I forgot who he threw it to and like they're down at like the the three or four no Shaq got in there first if that was live action Shaq's taken to a down right. and like the play is done there. And then they the second, it. They yeah, yeah, exactly. Nine seconds left. 
The second yeah. one, Shaq legitimately got to Tua, and they stopped the play before he could throw it or anything like that. So that was a legitimate sack. Like, no, no, if, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, Casey, as you were mentioning, Devin White, the knock on him, well, one of the knocks on him, it was that, like, overall his coverage thing. And in seven-on-sevens, it wasn't just, like, in the middle of the field. It was defending the goal line. They were not allowing mm-hmm. touchdowns. And he had two great reps. One was on Miles Gaskin, the running back, where yeah. Gaskin was out towards the right side of the end zone. I'm not 100% sure from the angle I was watching whether Devin got a hand on the ball, but he was all over Gaskin. So where Gaskin was trying to make the catch, Devin mm-hmm. was very physical, knocked the ball away, hit Gaskins into the ground, incomplete pass, don't have to worry about it. Like, the next play or two plays later, he was guarding a tight end. So we're talking a different size player, maybe not as fast, but bigger overall. Mm-hmm. And he got his hand in there, broke up the play, no touchdown allowed. So Devin, I thought it was great both practices. Um, yeah. As you as you mentioned, Casey. That's uh, he talk- yeah, he talked about it. He talked about it after practice, which was awesome. The third defender that had a great day might not be someone you expect because he missed – the beginning practices when training camp started, but since he's been available has really been standing out. And that is cornerback Rashard Robinson, who friend of the program, CEO Grayson jr. And friend of the program D Delaney have both said is the fastest cornerback or fastest player on this team, let alone cornerback. But I saw it a couple days ago when they were going one-on-ones between the bucks, DBs and the bucks receivers. And he had a couple of stops there in the end zone, but that transitioned into this practice today. Again, going one-on-one, he had three pass breakups. And as we talked about before, it's tough for the defensive backs to win those one-on-one battles. It's geared in favor of the receivers. He stopped his guys every single time. He had great coverage. He was making plays out there all the time. And with the type of speed that he has, obviously he's going to be a factor in special teams. The way that he's going, he's earning a spot on this team just coverage-wise, and we'll see what he can do on special teams in the game on Saturday. But I've been very impressed with Robinson, not just in today's practice, but for you know multiple practices in in a in this training camp. And that's the whole point is you got to stack them together, and that's exactly what he's doing and upping his game going up against other competition. Yeah, Absolutely. I was gonna say another day like that's uh, on Sunday too where he had multiple pass breakups and those one-on-one reps. Yeah. And he's tall. He's like six, one, six, two. He's a lengthy cornerback. Yeah. Which which will be nice once he gets more consistent. Just like you said, you have to stack the practices and where it counts the most is in games and full game speed. Uh, One thing I, I feel like I definitely want to mention because there's a lot of comments about speed and, and Carlton Davis. I'm the first person last season on the podcast constantly that gave nobody on the secondary credit because I felt like speed needed to be way more of a factor. Mm. What I will say that I see personally in Carlton Davis is the fact that he may not be the fastest cornerback out there. And while it would be problematic to go against very fast wide receivers, when you, when you're intuitive and you can catch the read on the play, especially in, in, in any sort of, man coverage and stuff. He's a factor. If he's reading that and he gets the ability to, to interrupt the pass or get in that passing lane, the biggest problem with this team is not holding onto the ball. They can get yeah. their hand on the ball. They can break up the pass, but holding onto the ball and at least contributing, you know, interceptions, picks, getting some yards. Uh, that's where it gets, you know, annoying, but he doesn't need to be the fastest guy because I think he's really good with his instincts and his intuition in reading quarterbacks or reading how the play is going to break down. And we saw that yesterday when he was going up against Tyree kill, you know, there was so much back and forth on the fact that Tyree kills fast. There's no way Carlton Davis locked him down. No, Carlton Davis did a pretty amazing job. I wasn't even expecting that, but he was really good at reading what, what was going to go down and getting and interrupting those passing lanes. So that's actually something that Carlton spoke about after yesterday's practice going up against Tyreek, which of course is a great measuring stick for a corner that, you know, wants to be an all pro and, and is almost there as we talked about with just, you know, getting more interceptions is going to be key for him. But he talked about because he played against Tyreek before in the 2020 season twice, once in the regular season and then in the Super Bowl, in which the Bucs won. But he said playing him before 
he remembered some of his breaks and when he's going to come out of that break. And I think that's super, it's super important overall, like just to have that instinct and that anticipation. It's what it's, what's made, you know, quarterbacks like Darrell Revis great, who might not be the fastest. I remember JC, you and I were talking to D Delaney about this. Darrell mm-hmm. Revis is one of the greatest corners of all time. He's never been the fastest of all time, but he can just anticipate and expect that play before it even goes on for Carlton. We talked about before that he might not necessarily be the best against the fastest receivers. And obviously Tyreek Hill is one of those guys, maybe not as fast as Scotty Miller, if you ask Scotty Miller, but still (laughs) one of the fastest receivers in the league. So how do you, you know, how do you challenge that? How do you stay with the guy that's going to be faster than you? Well, sometimes you have to read and I don't want to say guess, but make a hypothesis on, okay, if he's running this route, he's going to make this break or he's going to go this way or whatever it might be. So that's exactly what Carlton needs to do. And that's where, you know, he might struggle in the one-on-one against Waddle, who's a newer player he hasn't gone up against, even though it's Alabama versus Auburn, and you're naturally (laughs) going to be a little hyped up for that. Um, But yeah, I I think Carlton, we've really seen um, the classroom side of it, watching the tape, taking notes, that type of stuff. It's important to everyone, but for a player like Carlton, I think it's even more important than for others. And we'll see this year if he can start picking those balls off pro bowl and then hopefully uh, all pro. Right. And I think like, like you said, that's the biggest thing is being able to watch the film, study, read, react and know what's going to happen before it's happening. And, and going back to Devin white, that's exactly what uh, Casey mentioned and what, what you, and what we've all seen so far is his, his ability to, rely less on that speed of his and more on the instinctualness and, and the film that he's watching. And, and I spoke to him the other day and, and he pretty much said, you know, Larry foot has been in, instrumental on honing and on, on all of that stuff. I mean, Larry foot, forget how good of a linebacker he was and how good of a coach he is. He's a guy who not only has experience in this system, but played in this system when he was in Arizona, when, uh, Ar- Arians was a coach and Bulls was a defensive coordinator. So having that guy who's known what exactly what you're supposed to do in that position has helped him immensely. And we're starting to see that we're starting to see where it's not see ball, get ball. It's see ball, read ball, react ball, get ball. And, and, and it's, and it's the same thing with Carlton Davis as well is his ability to his, his film study and his ability to know what wide receivers are going to be doing before they're doing, even though he might not be, the most athletically gifted, whether it's speed, you know, he's got good size, but anything like that, he's been able to lock down some of the game's best wide receivers. We're talking Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, that, that type of coaching and that ability has helped him. And we're starting to see a transfer over to a lot of the other, uh, the other guys as well, including someone who's trying to win the left guard spot is Nick Lorette. Like he, he is ah, the, the old Carlton Davis segue to Nick Leverett. Yeah. <laughs> just talking about watching knowing your, knowing your opponents. I'm just saying this yeah. guy literally watched film on the Miami Dolphins roster from last year. <laughs> to try to get an edge up and he looked amazing out there. Well, someone asked about the O-line too. So yeah, there you go. And it is exciting to see what's going to go on with that left guard uh, competition. If you want to bet on who's going to win that, or if Carlton Davis is going to make the pro bowl this year, the best place to go and bet on such things would be at mybookie.ag, which, of course, is another sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. Football is just around the corner. We already had the Hall of Fame preseason game. More preseason games are coming up. Bucks obviously play Saturday, so you could start betting on football. Football season's right here. You still have baseball going on. There's UFC fights. There's golf. Uh, you got the World Cup coming up this uh, this fall as well, and then, uh, you know, basketball and uh, hockey coming up, go bolts. And uh, so there's so many different things you could bet on prop bets, run lines, money lines, props galore. And getting started is simple. You deposit up to $1,000 and play with five hundy instantly. Just use promo code pewter to claim a my bookie deposit bonus. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the my bookie family. Go ahead and sign up today using promo code Pewter to secure your first deposit bonus up to $1,000 with MyBookie. Whatever you put in, they'll meet halfway all the way up to $1,000. Even if you learn from Plant City math, you could figure out that math right there. So bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag. Once again, the promo code is Pewter. 
let's talk about the kickers a little bit. JC, Ryan Suckup looked pretty good, huh? He did. He did. He was perfect again today. Hit one from like 51 yards out. I will say on the 51, it barely made it over the crossbar and it had a very low trajectory. So if they're going full bore, there's a chance it could have been blocked. All right. No bias at all towards Jose Borgales at all, who had a great day yesterday as well. But no, it's going to be really interesting to see how this this shakes out, this competition. Um, I would not be surprised to see the team put the kickers in positions, especially a guy like Borgalis, um, in a position to make a, a, a distance kick or a short kick or something. I think we'll get a heavy dose of Borgalis in the preseason games because they know what Suckup can do. Um, it's gonna be, it's gonna come down to the wire. The other day, Coach Bowl said that it was Suckup's job to lose, but Borgalis is gaining ground. It just comes down to youth and money. I don't know if they're going to want to pass up having a guy. Who's, who's only 24, 25 years old and on a cheap rookie, would be on a cheap rookie contract for the next four years or having to pay a 36 year old 2.5 million the next two years. Um, and, and again, they, they lost out. This is the, this would be the third kicker, right? Matt Gay, you know, mm-hmm. turns it around. Uh, Greg Joseph, who they protected all in 2020, they didn't resign him in order to keep suck up. He's now the starting kicker for starting kicker. He's now the kicker for the Minnesota Vikings. Do they want to do that again with Jose Borgales and lose out on another young kicker who'd be under a controlled contract? We'll see. You know, uh, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to watch how this all plays out. Yeah, Borgales has been great. Like he really has. You know, he's had some perfect days. He's obviously got a stronger leg than suck up. So. There was someone come and say, I just put up his chat. He said, I think Suckup gets cut. If it's close, save money. Yeah, why not? Like, if you're getting the same type of production, but for less money, why not go for it? And Borgas, while he hasn't, you know, like, dressed for the team, really, he's been in the organization. He's not going somewhere like, completely new. But, obviously, the preseason is going to dictate a lot of this. You can hit all of the field goals that you can hit in practice, but if you don't do it in the game, you're just not going to make the team. And I'm not saying that's going to be the case for Borgals. I think he's going to get all the opportunities. Like I'd be surprised if we see suck up at all in uh, in Saturday's game, uh, yeah. especially because like with the wins that come in in Tampa Stadium and like you know the, the third preseason game you're playing against Indy, so you're indoors. So it's like more important to see Borgals out there like in the elements to see what else is going on. A hundred percent. And I think JC makes a really good point to mention age, you know, at some point they have to be investing in or paying more attention to the <laughs> the future of this team, regardless of whether people want to admit it or not. There's a huge question mark next to that quarterback spot. So these other position groups, you want to find security where you can. And Bergalis has been equally as good as Ryan Suckup. And I thought Suckup, you know, when he first came to Tampa Bay was awesome. He was a huge breath of fresh air in comparison to the kickers previous uh, last year, obviously he had hiccups and, and inconsistencies. So if they can save money and they can have a younger guy in there, who's going to be more consistent or equally as consistent, I think it's Borgalis's job to win for sure. I do want to ask you guys, because the game is on Saturday and our next yeah. Peter report podcast will be a, a post game show after the bucks play the dolphins on Saturday. So I'm going to ask you guys to pinpoint either a player or a matchup that you're most excited to uh, to watch for this game. But speaking of pins, the best place to go bowling is at Pin Chasers. There are multiple different locations. You got East Pasco, Zephyr Hills, Midtown, and Veterans. There is one near you, and there's one close to the Advent Hill Training Center where the Bucks practice and have their training camp going on right now. Um, the food is underrated. Pizza's great. Chicken tendies, awesome. The nachos, also terrific. Uh, they have different deals all the time. I cannot stress this enough. I cannot reiterate it enough. They got all-you-can-eat pizza, Dollar Miller Lights, all-you-can-bowl, whatever you want. There's going to be a deal out there for you. So go to pinchasers.net to see what they have to offer. They got brunch on the weekends, too. Have brunch at Pinchasers and then go to the Bucks preseason game. That's a That's a heck of a day right there. Uh, you could also book a birthday party for your kids. They got the video game area and the bowling lane, so... Your kid and their friends can uh, do a little bit of bowling, a little bit of video games, and it's uh, you know, a very fun night out with friends and family. So go to pinchasers.net and uh, book your lane or reserve a party today. That's pinchasers.net. 
Casey, we'll start with you as we uh, turn our attention to the Bucks Dolphins preseason game, where we're actually going to get some tackling <laughs> up in this house. Up in, um, <laughs> up in here. Uh, yeah, up in here. RIP DMX. Exactly. One of the best. Um, is there a certain player that you're most looking forward to watching? Is there a certain uh, matchup or you know units that you that you're most excited to watch for this game? Where's your head at with this? K dot in for five hundred, please. Damn, that um, was gonna be my pick. Good, good, good answer. Really? What do they say? Oh. What do they say on Family Feud? Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> good answer. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually for me, it's all eyes on Cade. He has been very impressive, in my opinion. I think that he has also been. How do I? I'm trying to think of like what I'm trying to say here. He's coming along a lot quicker than was expected. You know what yeah. I mean? He's he's showing a, a first string caliber already. He's showing confidence. He's showing chemistry. So not saying that that's every single play, but he has the ability to, he has so much room to grow, but he's doing so well already. And the kid's coming off of an injury. You know, he didn't participate before training camp and stuff, but you can tell that he's probably been in his playbook. So I'm really excited to see what full what full throttle looks like for him. Um, I'm, you guys mentioned it on the pod yesterday, but if anything, I was already looking forward to seeing him play, but then I was so fired up yesterday when he caught a pass from Tom Brady diving over the middle. I mean, throwing your body on the line, not, not thinking twice about it, making that catch, having that all out effort. I, I, I love somebody who's underestimated to begin with, but I also love somebody who rises to the occasion and plays until the freaking whistle blows. So I think Kate Otten's going to be a sweet surprise and I'm, I'm psyched to see what he looks like when game on. JC, how you feeling? All eyes are in the trenches for me. I want to see what's gonna, what the, I want to see who's gonna be out there first. I want to, I, I'm not sure if they're going to put the starting off. At, I know a lot of starters will be out, but I would not be surprised to see at least for a series, the entire starting offensive line out there. The biggest thing that we've heard from Coach Goody, from Bowles, from Gilbert is communication, communication, communication. Whoever has is does the best job communicating is going to win that left guard spot. So I'm really excited to see kind of an intrigue to see who's going to get the first reps, who's going to the second reps, at what position. We've seen we've seen multiple guys play multiple roles. Aronson has been with the starting left guard, then he's been on the second unit right guard. We've seen Nick Lavrett been with the uh, at left guard and with at right guard and at center. We've seen Brandon Walton of the starting left guard and starting left tackle and and second string right guard. So like, there's so yeah. many different line comp combinations. Who's going to be the first one out there? Who's going to be? And of course, Hainsey. I want to see how Hainsey does in a live game situation. You know, going up against the Dolphins in in this joint practices and against your own guy. I mean. I mean, Vita Vey and Akeem Hicks is a different story. Uh, but going against those guys have been different. Now we'll get to see the game time situation where you're, you know, you're calling out all the all the line calls and you're and you're transferring them down the line and see how that commu communication goes. And uh, that's what I'm I'm excited to see. You know, there's other things as well. Obviously, you know, the kicking game. But uh, yeah. I want to see how how they do the combinations, who plays where, who starts where. And where they end up, because I think you're going to see a lot of rotation, especially out of the guys who have shown versatility. Um, so I'll, I'll be looking there. And always special teams, Maddie. You know. Yep. Yeah. That was. Um, I was going to say. Um, I, I think definitely like. There's more questions because we're not going to see too many of the starters. You know, obviously the idea of like watching Logan Ryan and uh, Keanu Neal, I, I think would be interesting. But because I, we're not going to see all the starters, I don't know how much they're going to play. So for this game specifically, I think for all of like training camp too, you could say that um, there's a couple of more questions on the offensive side of the ball with both starters and backups. So yeah, I was going to say like special teams, obviously who's going to be returning, who stands out as gunners, I think is important. Um, the receivers, we've talked so much about the competition there between, you know, spots five through hopefully seven because a lot of people are deserving. But the answer that I'm going with, who has been talked about a lot, and people are on, uh, you know, people are very divided when it comes to this, uh, is a guy who hopefully is getting a bulk and most of the reps in Saturday's um, game. And that's Kyle Trask. I mean, the Bucks have to find out if Kyle Trask is going to be their quarterback of the future, or if they have to start game planning and scouting for, uh, you know, quarterbacks in this year's draft that they might take early on in the first or second round, 
And Trask, he's had his ups and downs lately, has struggled in the past couple of practices. They can't give up on him yet, though. And there's no experience to get, like, in-game experience. So if I'm Tampa Bay, I would maybe play Blaine Gabbert, like, the first or second drive, and then let Trask play the rest of the game, all right? You have one less preseason game now. You only have three. You're only going to get so much time with Kyle Trask as your quarterback. And obviously with the Brady news, it doesn't sound like it is what Todd Bowles was saying, that Brady's not going to play in that Tennessee game either. So you're really looking at these first two preseason games, Saturday against the Dolphins and the next one against the Titans, where it's going to be all about Trask. I think we know what the Bucs have. We know what Tampa Bay has got in Blaine Gabbert, the Blaine train. Chugga, 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 choo, choo. Uh, sorry, I was just buying time to get the obligatory Blaine Gabbert uh, photo up there. But like, it, it's going to be really all on Kyle Trask. Can he develop, you know, take that next step forward? There's a lot of questions about him. Saturday is a huge opportunity for him to answer some of those questions. And, you know, Russell Gage won't be in there. A lot of the starters won't. Like, like Julio's not going to play. But... We've been very complimentary about the wide receivers in this competition, as we talked about before. So, um, you know, he's he's going to have some opportunities. Will he take advantage of it? It remains to be seen. But Kyle Trask is the guy that, um, you know, I'm most looking forward to watching or one of them. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, and it's funny because, you know, the, the crazy thing is we were like, oh, is Kyle Trask going to see? He's going to see a lot of snaps. He's going to see a lot of snaps is what we were told throughout the course of preseason and offseason. Now we know why. Tom Brady's off for 10 days and it's yeah. been scheduled out. But, <laughs> you know, we started this podcast kind of with a down title about the Dolphins kind of having their way with the with the Bucks cornerbacks. And, you know, I wanted to give people a little bit of hope before we ended this because – there was a certain Buccaneer player out there at practice today for the last two days that we are still awaiting some sort of word or update or, or anything on. That's Ryan Jensen. Ryan Jensen has been out of the practice out practice the last two days. Now, he's been riding around in the golf cart getting the Bruce Arians treatment, but today he was mostly standing the entire time at practice. He's got this giant splint and wrap and, and brace on his on his left knee to really kind of immobilize it a little bit. But at several times during the practice, I saw Jensen put almost nearly all of his body weight on that left knee. I saw him, he was walking back to his cart and one of like the assistants was throwing something to another player. And in order to not be hit in the face with it, Jensen had to stop abruptly. And he used his left knee to stop putting a lot of, if you've ever stopped abruptly, you know how much like pressure you're putting on, on one of your legs. He did that on his left knee. So, well, this is all speculatory on my end, um, and we don't have an official word. We've seen players who have Achilles injuries, who've had ACL injuries, who had kneecap injuries, Matthew, so sorry. Um, and they've been pretty much ruled out that day or that or the ne next day with out for the year placed on IR. We haven't seen that with Jensen. So as a positive thought, I think Jensen is going – I don't think it's a torn ACL, people. I don't think it's going to be a season-long injury. And from what I saw yes today and what you guys saw yesterday, I think there's a realistic opportunity. When 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 Coach Bowles said, yeah, November, December, I was like, yeah, maybe like December, the final playoff push. I think that November, December timeline, after seeing him just put weight on it, and again, no crutches either. Like I tore an MCL when I was snowboarding. I was on crutches. Now, granted, I'm not Ryan Jensen, and I'm not a, a, any athletic ability at all but i was on crutches for like two weeks to see him out there walking putting pressure on it no crutches jensen could really realistically be back maybe sometime shortly after that bye week after the germany trip again speculative speculation on my end but casey you saw him out there matt yeah. you saw him out there it, it was very encouraging to see him out there yeah, and I think he made a good point to talk about like the weight distribution between like the fact that he wasn't he wasn't nursing the left leg. He's he's Not following through. He's he's at least if anything trying to prepare the leg to feel, you know, the bearer of weight more consistently because once you line up on the line it's it's way different. Um I will also say Todd Bowles said initially it's going to be a couple of months. A couple of months is, you know, 60 90 days if you will and on top of that most of the time, if it's a season ending situation, that's been announced by now. It's been two weeks since Jensen's injury and, and the situation went down. So you would think that 
by now it would be like, all right, guys, you know, Jensen's out for the season. Say la vie. Like, no, him making an appearance in practice yesterday was really, really awesome. And he's not standing on the sideline either. JC and I were talking about this during practice. He's standing right behind the line of scrimmage. So, like, I mean, he's kind of putting – he's playing a little dangerously there. Let's not have anybody else roll into you, guy. But he's just there, bearing weight between both legs, standing – talking he's he's very involved in his presence I think helps elevate the fact that he's going to be back he's going to be back sooner rather than later and he's at least standing there from a coachable standpoint to help that offensive line to help Robert Hainsey uh get acclimated and come up so very positive no I was glad you pointed that out today because yesterday I kind of missed him but I mean I was trying to focus on so many things at once so that was That's a nice so little focus there. Today. Yeah. at one point you had like the, at one point it was perfect because you had the the offense, uh, the Dolphins offense going against the defense and the Bucks offense going against the Miami defense. And they were like switched plays. So like the you could like literally look at both sides, but at the same time, you're trying to live tweet and try not to miss that. It was it was <laughs> difficult. That's why it's so good. We have so many eyes out there. Yeah, yeah. that that's yeah. what gets you is when you're trying to tweet something and then like another play happens. You're like, damn it! Like who was it? Who was defending? Who caught it? Like, you know. <laughs> and it's funny because all of us are like, uh, 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 because yeah. everyone went down to quickly get the tweet out. Yeah. So yeah, we are our multi multitasking skills are being put to the to the. <laughs> Best yeah. test possible uh, to to the ultimate test, and <laughs> yeah, again, great points by both of you guys about Jensen being out there. Um, it has to do something for the team, you know. Mm-hmm. Like when when Godwin was out there, like how could you not get a little more pumped up? And you see Jensen out there and look to be walking okay. Like I don't know, it's got to pump you up a little bit more. Yeah, uh, we'll see. But um, I'm not even um, playing, and it pumped me up. So it's yeah, exactly. exactly. For the guys and, who were in pads. Yeah. I was like, guys, guys, look, he's yeah. 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 Let him walk. Let him walk. Like, hey, yeah, uh, Hainsy. While we're encouraged by what we've seen, the Bucks are a better team with with Ryan right. Jensen as your starting center. Like, it just goes without saying. He's been on this team for for such a long time. So if they can get him back at all at any point in the season, I think would be great. And then until then, Hainsy will, you know. Hold the ship, keep the ship going. Hold the fort down, whatever you want to say. Uh, he'll, he'll keep, he'll keep the ship afloat for the Buccaneers. He's got the so. toweling down. He's got the baby. Yeah, yeah. Down. That has been stressed to be the most important part, and and he's doing well. I've caught every baby powder action and toweling. <laughs> <laughs> I just happen to be in the right field position yeah. for that. <laughs> it's right in my eye line, and 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 folks, he's doing well. He's doing Han- so well. Han- yeah, Hainsey is taking notes uh very well. And another thing <laughs> yeah. you should take note of is please like and subscribe to our podcast, Pewter Report TV. Uh helps us with our algorithm, lets other people that are Bucks fans or NFL fans that might not know about pewterreport.com and the Pewter Report podcast, it lets them know. And uh so by liking and subscribing, it helps us out. We're very close to 9,000 followers, so please hook it up if you like this show. Give us a like. Give us a uh, subscription. It's absolutely free. It's free 99. Don't worry about it. This is where Scott would do his old man impersonation and be like, what's that? So, um, yeah, please, if you could do that, we'd really appreciate it. Pewterport.com for all of our uh, content on the website. Pewterport TV for our YouTube. And um, we'll be back on Saturday for post-game edition. JC, sounds like you want to plug something. I just want to say real quick, the best thing about watching on YouTube, I know some of you guys are watching on Facebook and Twitter. The best thing about watching on YouTube is YouTube has now changed their policy. You used to have to pay for YouTube premium to be able to drop items down in the bottom corner and have the like picture in picture. Not anymore. So if you're not if you're a regular Twitter watcher or Facebook watcher, and obviously there's always something going on on your phone, but you want to be focused on the Pewter Report podcast. Why? Because it's the best there is out there. Mm-hmm. Switch over to the YouTube. Start watching on YouTube. Like, subscribe because you can do multitask on your phone while watching us in the little bottom corner there, and you usually get your chats a little bit better as well. So, yeah, uh, that'll yeah. do it for Maddie M in the seas. So for KC <laughs> Hudson, for JC Allen, I'm Matt Matera saying. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening, and we will see you Saturday night for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out!